How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hurricanes Weekly or Hurricanes Replay. Brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. Williamson is Miami. It's a Friday night. We are 25 hours away from kickoff between Miami and Florida State. The Hurricanes, a big favorite in this one, depending on where you look, I suppose. Anywhere from 10 to 12 points as a favorite in this game between Miami and Florida State as uh, they renew their rivalry for the 65th time. Miami leads the all-time series 34-30. to Now, be a different kind of night at Hard Rock Stadium as we will have uh, a sellout of 13,000 fans. That's what capacity will be for this one. But I'm sure the 13,000 that will be there will be there with great energy, great passion, and will bring everything they have to create the atmosphere, uh, create an atmosphere for the University of Miami, Florida State. Might be a little bit different, no tailgating and all that stuff. But nonetheless, we have football and we are thrilled about it. A couple of things that we'll be looking at during the course of the game for Florida State. Uh, well, they won't have their head coach, but uh, traditionally, he wants to run the football, and, and so I'm sure the marching orders to his offensive coordinator will be to try to generate a run game against the University of Miami, try to get the Hurricanes a little bit off balance, kind of a football cliche to generate a run game. Now, this Florida State offense, this Florida State team, in terms of their uh, running backs, to me, they've always had stellar running running backs, guys who are four- and five-star players, and uh, maybe Jayshon, uh, Jashon Corbin will turn out to be that. But uh, Corbin is a transfer to Florida State from Texas A&M. Kind of a different path than what Florida State normally takes in terms of having an elite running back. So Corbin had only 18 yards in their first game against Georgia Tech. Does have 14 career games under his belt. Then they have LaDamian Webb, who's a 5'8". 190-pound sophomore transfer from junior college. He's from Alabama, was Mr. Football in the state of Alabama, but again, perhaps not one of those headline-making headline making running backs that they normally get in their recruiting class. James Blackman will be playing in his 31st game as quarterback. He does have 42 
career touchdown passes, and he does have Tamaron Terry, who is a six foot four, two hundred ten pound uh, matchup nightmare at wide receiver. It's funny last season, Trajan Bandy matched up with Terry and did a heck of a job. He just badgered him the entire game. A couple years ago, Terry did have a touchdown against Miami. He does have nine touchdowns of 50 yards or more. His his touchdown reception average in his career is 49 yards. That's pretty good. Has 101 career receptions. He averages His average touchdown catch is 49 yards. Florida State does get a little impatient. So as they get to midfield, as they approach Miami territory, they're going to hunt for a touchdown. They're going to try to throw it deep to Terry. Or they have another intriguing weapon, Cameron McDonald, a 6'4", 238-pound junior tight end, made a stellar play against Georgia Tech. Big target for them, a guy that can get down the middle of the field. So Miami secondary, we'll have to watch those two guys. If Miami gets Blackman into a uh, into a dropback game, all the better for Miami. Here's what I'd like to see. Miami played Florida State Coach Rick's first year, 2016. Ultimately, they lost the game. But that was one of the hardest. You might remember, it was one of the hardest-hitting affairs. And Miami, they pulverized Francois in that game. He just kept getting up, getting up, getting up. They would. I think they need... They need Blackman tomorrow night to feel the same sort of constant pressure. They need three and outs. They need to put him on his back. Uh, Don't let him step up in the pocket. When he has a chance to step up and has clear vision down the field, he can hurl it pretty good. But they uh, make him feel their presence down after down after down. That would be a very positive trend for the University of Miami. On the other side, you look at Florida State's front four, front seven, and you say, man, alive, you'd like to have a couple of those guys on your team. You wouldn't mind having Marvin Wilson or Robert Cooper or Janarius Robinson. But for some reason, they just did not play that well against Georgia Tech. And Miami pretty much controlled them last year. And uh, this has been a big play offense for Miami. Six different players with plays of 25 yards or more seven or eight uh, plays of 25 yards or more. So whether it's Harris or Cheney or Knighton or King or Pope or Brevin Jordan, big play. It'll be a big factor in the game for Miami's offense again tomorrow. Uh, but their offensive line, they're going to have to hold up. They can't be behind the chains the entire game either. And another thing to keep an eye on would be the turnover chain. One of the reasons Miami has won the last three in this matchup is because Miami has won the turnovers. Uh, Miami has forced six turnovers in the last three matchups against Florida State. They've given the ball away three times, but they've taken the ball away from Florida State six times. So those would be a couple of things to look at. Coming up on the remainder of the show, we had a very entertaining conversation with Kirk Herbstreit the other night. Now, this is going to be an unusual situation for Herbie and Chris Fowler. Uh, They are... College football, right? They do a wonderful job. Herbie came in contact with uh, somebody who tested positive. Herbie has tested negative. He will be calling the game from his home. Chris Fowler will be at Hard Rock Stadium. Herbie will be at home. If anybody can pull it off, those two can pull it off. 
Uh, they did a great job a couple weeks ago on the NFL game. Uh, I'm sure they'll do a great job uh, on the game tomorrow, of course. We'll have the game for you here on QAM. We start our coverage at 3.30 in the afternoon with Countdown Hurricanes kickoff at 3.30. And uh, kickoff will come your way at 7.44. DBJ and I will have the call. Uh, we have Don right now. We have him isolated as well just because it's Miami and Florida State. We got him isolated. We've got a bungee cord for the uh, booth tomorrow so he doesn't jump out. Uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, we'll be on the air with our pregame show. 7.44 is the official time of kickoff for Miami and Florida State. Let me talk to you for a moment about Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represent the people who live here because nobody represents Miami like Ed Williamson and his lovely wife, Carol. They are Miami. They are Mr. and Mrs. Miami. And you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossover. I have the XT5, and believe me, it is unmistakable. It is award-winning. It is beautiful. It is delightful. It is just a great, great drive. It is engineered to stand out. And I believe that when I'm driving the XT5, we stand out. Or... You know, in South Florida, you got to be able to get around, sometimes in tight corridors. And to do that, the CT Sedan Series, dedicated to performance. Or, in South Florida, you want to be the big man on campus. You can ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. They have it all at Williamson Cadillac. You can visit the facility. It's located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or view their entire lineup online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac is your premier luxury dealership. I'm sure Ed and Carol will be at the game tomorrow. Williamson is Miami. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Joe Gacki, Don Bailey Jr. We'll be at Hard Rock Stadium Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff. Our pregame begins at 3.30. So Don and I will be uh, anchored in in uh, separate booths on Saturday, <laughs> socially distanced and all that stuff. And uh, looking forward to Miami and Florida State uh, getting a second look at the University of Miami from ESPN. It's Kirk Herbstreet. Herbie, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, and you appreciate this. My, my partner, Don Bailey, of course, was captain of the University of Miami football team in the 80s. Uh, Jim Kelly was his quarterback. The first, their first matchup, I think uh, Don was eyeball-to-eyeball with Bruce Clark, but Don's father was also very good friends with Lee Corso. They ran around high school together. I love that. Uh, same high school? Went to Jackson, Miami Jackson. They were Jackson. generals. That's right. Oh, that's that's awesome! I, is it, by the way, is that still a high school? Is that still exist? It's still oh, it's yeah. absolutely there, and it's uh, been pre- it's been productive. Uh, coach Harris, a guy who played in the uh, in the NFL for a long time, was a coach there recently, and they've done very very well. Oh, that's great! That's great. Lee Lee always likes to tell stories about uh, his time down there and just growing up, what it was like for him. Obviously, ends up going to Tallahassee to Florida State, but uh, he's, he's told me a bunch of stories about some high school football games down there. Well, Herbie, you'll, 
It was ahead, him and then Joe Brodsky. I don't know if you remember Coach Brodsky uh, was was one of the guys that ran around with him as well. And Coach Brodsky yeah. was a running back coach and a high school coach and won a bunch of Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. So that that was a pretty wow. it was a pretty impressive gang they had. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's those are those are fond years to reminisce about. Oh yeah. One of my first jobs on the radio was uh, I did a college afternoon scoreboard show and uh, on Saturdays in the early 80s, and every Saturday without fail, a, uh, a nice lady would call and say, could you please give me the Indiana score? And it was uh, Lee Corso's mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. You're, yeah. What are the odds of getting a call about uh, about the IU score, right, yeah. in Florida? Yeah. You're not gonna You're not going to get that request very often. But I, I do appreciate how you take care. I know you guys. Uh, he's you know in Orlando or wherever this year. But you've done a yeah. great job of uh, of taking care of him through the years and treating him with such great respect. It's uh, really, yeah. really, very, very warm to see. Well, he's my guy. I mean, uh, he just he's just a special person um, to anybody he comes in contact with. And I've been lucky enough to to be with him for twenty five years and. We've had an interesting run, you know. We we've just life life goes on, life changes. You know, you, uh, for me, I got married, I I had kids. My kids now, my oldest are I have twins that are twenty, and he's always been there for me, somebody I can talk to and get advice from, and jo- advice about my career. You know, and he he's just he he'll sit there and listen and nod his head and nod his head and listen. And you'll go on for ten minutes with whatever your issue is. And then he's like Don Corleone. He sits there and he gives you one sentence to, to just make all of it make sense. And you're like, wow, okay, okay, I, I, I see it now. I see it now. I appreciate it. I can't tell you how many times he, he's done that with me. So just to just obviously love him to death, and he's my guy. And, um, you know, anything I can do to be a good teammate to him, I, I tried to do. Hey, uh, this will be your second look-see at the University of Miami. Uh, yeah. What was your impression Saturday night? Well, I think it was pretty obvious um, for people that, that anybody watched the game. I mean, I I probably went on and on a little bit too much um, because I, I, I'm a Miami fan. Like, I, I like to see this program do well. Um, early part of my career, I worked on Thursday nights with Mike Tirico and Lee Corso. We would – we would have Miami, you know, back in the 99, 2001 years and just kind of saw their program up close and got really close to a lot of those players in, the, in that era. And I just, I just always was very fond of them and always appreciated, you know, the way they carried themselves because as an outsider, I had a very different perception. You know, I, I watched, you know, you, you mentioned you played in the in the 80s. Like, you know, I, I played in the early 90s. And Miami, you know, to me, without knowing the players and, and, the, and the, the brotherhood within that, that school and that team, you know, you would see them, you know, talking trash and doing this and doing that. And, and it was easy to kind of look at them and say, man, I, I don't get this program. And then for me, I was lucky enough to do that job and and meet guys and meet the coaches. So I don't know. They just have always, it's always been a program I've always wanted to do well. And so it's, there's been some really lean years, obviously. And so to see this team the other night with the Eric King and Rhett Lashley in this new system and, and Cam Harris continuing to look good and 
there's just a lot there. Brevin Jordan's, I think, a superstar. There's a lot there to be excited about, and and you know, there's a long way to go. Obviously, a big game, rivalry game with Florida State, bye week, and then Clemson. So we'll find out who they really are. But um, there there's enough pieces uh, on the offensive side to to really get excited for for what they can do. And to me, the defense also has some pieces. You know, I think they got to mature and and play with more discipline. But uh, they, they've got some alphas on that side of the ball. This, this Jalen Phillips, I think, by the time we get to the middle of October, providing we can keep playing, I think in, the whole nation is going to start saying, who the heck is that 15 on Miami? Wow, that guy is a monster. I mean, he's a dominant player against the run. He gets extension, uses his hands, gets off blocks. And then, you know, as a pass rusher, he just he can go around guys or over just go through them. So, um, I'm a fan. Uh, look forward to seeing what happens uh, on Saturday night, but um, hope they keep their their wits about them and, and stay focused and don't buy into the headlines and all the hype that they're starting to receive. I watched your comments during the game. I always go back and watch the TV coffee, and uh, Derek King, I believe, was rolling to the left and made a fantastic throw, and you were like, I can't believe it. I can't believe this guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this isn't supposed to happen. And, and I, I, I yeah. mean, you were like, wow, somebody can do this? I mean, he's, I mean, I was just like, I just had appreciation for it. I know you I did. Like, I know you did. I was trying to make Fowler understand, like, how sick of a throw that was. I mean, right. dude's rolling to his left. He's got his offensive tackle right in his face, who's 6'5", and he goes right over top of him. And he could have – I don't know if he could have handed it any better to that, that on that throw to the receiver? Yeah, I mean he actually it's left beautiful. his feet on the throw. I mean, I, and it, it, I know he seems yeah. like a jump pass. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, Kirk, he he has made uh, as you've watched this program. Yeah. In the shortest period of time, I have I don't know that I've ever seen anybody make such a big impact. No, I mean, it, I, I Russell Wilson comes to mind for me. He left NC State, as you guys know, right, went to Wisconsin, and showed up showed up in Madison. He yeah. was there for four weeks and was voted unanimously a team captain. And his temperament and his style of the way he carried himself reminds me a lot. Not not Russell, you know, the other night on against the Patriots, but as a college player, reminds me a lot of De'Ara King. You know, in, in a similar situation where he had started a number of games in Raleigh and then left and had one year in Madison to kind of make it all happen and actually led his team to a Rose Bowl. I mean, he had a great year. And Derek, just, he's very humble. He's a grinder. He keeps his head down. You know, he's just all about the process, you know, as Coach Saban says. And I think this program, you guys know way better than me. Um, man, I, I know they've had some names, but they've not had stability at that position. Mm-hmm. To me, since Ken Dorsey, I mean, Brock Berlin had some good years. They've had, you know, some names that, that we thought might do that. Corey Harris was a big name, and Brad Kaya, you know, had some moments. But I don't know if they've had anything like this. And I think it really impacts not just the, the offense, but I think it impacts the defense, the confidence that they'll have now, that, that uh, just a belief that, that we got a quarterback and we got an offense that's going to score, and we, we're in every game, you know, and – that, that really can rub off on everybody, and, and uh, I hope that he stays healthy and, and this thing continues for him. I would add to your point, Kirk, that uh, the guys 
uh, in Miami history. If you go back to Dorsey and go back to when Don played with Jim Kelly and Mark Richt and the guys in between Kosar and Testaverde and yeah. Gino, all those guys understood that in this town, in Miami, Playing quarterback is a big responsibility every day. You, you, you are the second NFL team here. You know, you're going to be compared to Dan Marino. You're going to be compared to Vinny Testaverde. I think Derek King understands that. I think he understands responsibility. Yeah, and think about what he's been through in his own life. You know, I, I think it just gives him a, a different lens of maturity. You know, he, he really enjoyed his time at Houston. It wasn't like he was kicking and screaming and, you know, you're not being nice to me, so I'm leaving. You know, he, 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 was, he started 19 games, had a great career, and played four games last year and then was kind of asked to, to redshirt, which is an unusual move. I remember talking to him, actually, uh, that, that week. Um, George Whitfield, who, who knows him and works with him, uh, put us in touch together, and we just had a nice talk for, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes. I didn't know him until that conversation, and I, I was just kind of – he was just picking my brain and we were just talking. And I, I just remember hanging the phone up and said to George, like, this guy's, this guy's different. You know, he, he's very, very mature for his age. And then after that, what, what he went through on a personal level with his father, you know, passing and, and his mom getting sick and having breast cancer and fighting back from that. So I think it, I think he just has a, a different feel for the game, a different level of maturity is like I said, because he's been through a lot, you know. I mean, he's, I don't know how old he is, 22, 21, 22. He's going on 30, you know, for everything he's he's been through. And he really carries himself that way. And, um, again, it's two games. We'll see how it goes. But I've got a lot of faith in Rhett Lashley. I, I followed his career very closely. And um, I think he's a, a head coach in, in a year or two somewhere. He's going to have th- those kind of credentials, and he's got – He's kind of when you talk to him, he it's you just there's I've been doing it 25 years. There's certain coordinators you talk to, and you just know you know you're talking to a guy that's going to be a head coach in a, in a year or two, and he's got that that feel to him. And in the meantime, you guys are getting a taste of how he operates. Like he he's from that system where it's not like you know you you and I when we're up by a score or two where we're going to run the ball and kill the <laughs> clock. I mean, he's in attack mode until it's done. You know, until the the horn goes off, and that's a different mindset than I think Miami's had in a long, long time. He's basically bringing him into the 21st century. Kirk, when you look at the off last season, you end with a, a horrible ending for Miami fans. You, lo- you end with three losses, but then Coach Diaz figures it out pretty quick. He he hires Lashley, brings in Coach Likens, who is an outstanding receiver coach, yeah. and, and Garen Justice yeah. is from what I would imagine we had 15 sacks in the first two games last year. You've got a couple logged, but in reality, the offense line hasn't given up any. So he goes and he brings in those three guys. Then he gets goes to the portal, and you got Roche and, and Phillips and, and then Borgalis, the kicker. Uh, My I mean, you talk <laughs> about fixing everything pretty darn quick. Manny Diaz did a great job with, with getting this ship turned in the right direction. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. He just went down the the list of things that he clearly addressed and needed to address. And um, Manny's a, Manny's a great guy and another guy that, you know, you watched his career grow and, and he learned from so many great people that he was able to work with throughout his career as an assistant and then a coordinator. 
And again, another guy that has that temperament, you could see him eventually becoming a head coach. He's got a great story himself and, you know, how he got into the business and, and, and how it, uh, how he took off. I mean, I remember years and years ago, whenever I'd go around Florida state when he was really young and you had Mickey there and Chuck Amato, you know, and he was, he was like a shadow to those guys. And, and then, you know, of course, followed Chuck up to Raleigh. So he, he's had a great run. He, he's been able to watch a lot of things and learn. And I think the adjustments that he made, as you said, uh, from, from one season to the next has helped, has helped him. But to me, I, I think it's, it's about culture too. You know, I, I think it's about getting this, this program to get back to, you know, those glory years of the eighties and, and the nineties, it wasn't just about the swag and the dancing. It was about a, to me, like when I watched Ed Reed up close, it was about a competitive spirit that was unparalleled anywhere in the country. And, and as a senior or a junior, you handed that down to the freshmen. And then the freshmen became sophomores and the sophomores became juniors. And then they kept handing it down. It was like an accountability you know, you talk to a Jonathan Vilma or any of these guys who were alphas in that program in the glory years, they, they took pride in the program, not the trash talking, but the program and, and handing down that legacy to the next guy at their position. And they got to get back to that, you know, and, and they got to recognize the importance of that. And I'm hoping they're taking the steps um, because this is bigger than winning games. It's bigger than beating Louisville. It's, it's about getting back to that, that brotherhood of of winning and accountability and and holding each other accountable and and uh, bringing back those those teams that team that other teams feared because of of what that 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 tight bond that they had it wasn't about going to the league what we can deal with that later right now it's about destroying the team that's on the other sideline and uh, they've had it at moments but it's been very erratic and very inconsistent so to me if I'm Manny I'm working on that as much as tweaking the offense or, or doing this or that. I, I think it's about that culture and getting that back. And I know he's trying to get it back. Yeah, That's a very, very, very fair analysis. And I think uh, Don and I would tell you we are advocates of having an older team. And Miami's been in a position where often they've had to play guys too early who were too young. And you're looking at it now. You mentioned Jalen Phillips. Phillips and Roche are older guys yeah. that keep – Harvey and Cameron Williams uh, on the sidelines, or they can play in in spots. And you have, uh, safeties, you have Amari Carter and Bubba Bolden, older guy Zach McLeod, older guy linebacker. And I think uh, that helps the maturity and also helps develop other younger players. And I think that's a great point. And I would add one last thing: we live in an era where if you don't have, like, if you're not locked in to to your program you're very easily influenced and impacted by social media. Like a guy I'd rather get a cool shot to put on his Instagram for his followers than like really dig in and compete and battle and grind because he loves the game and he loves his teammates. And these coaches today in college football, they're not just battling an opponent. They're battling their own team dealing with that. That's their world. They grew up with that in middle school. They grew up with that in high school. And they come to college with that. They walk around with their phones. They're looking at their phones. They're on Snapchat, Instagram, whatever it is, Twitter. And they're, they're, they want to put a cool picture up on that for all their followers. And it's like, that's okay to do if it's like 
and also you get to do that. But in the meantime, let's keep our laser focus on it's Sunday. What's our focus on Sunday? It's Monday. What's our focus on Monday? And then on down the line, I'm telling you, say whatever you want about Nick Saban. He's figured that out. He's figured out a way to get his guys to buy into that. And it's not an easy thing to do for any coach to get them to buy in, to care, to love the game. It was in the 80s and 90s and the 70s and, and, you know, go back as far as you want. But today there's a lot of distractions and a coach is constantly trying to battle that. Kirk, you mentioned you have you have two twin sons that are twenty. So let's say you've got those two sons are have the have the chance to go to the National Football League. They've got National Football League talent. How are you being a father to them? How are you being a manager to them? How are you being someone that guides them to make that decision? To what are your parameters to leave early or to stay? If you're if they have a great let's say they're juniors and, and or th- third year guys or fourth year guys doesn't matter but what it, what it, what would you be what would your guidelines be if you had to had to write the guidelines to stay or to go what were some of the things that you would make sure that these young players thought about because we see the mistakes happen time and time again that kids cut out early and they're done before they even yeah, get started they don't even they don't even get drafted right? or they get drafted and they go for a year on the practice squad and then they're gone. Um, and I, I, I don't think you can write a script and say this applies to every player um, because everybody has different, different backgrounds and, and different, different uh, needs as far as, you know, what's going on with their family. And they want to try to be able to, in some cases, pr- be able to provide and help their family. And then in other cases that, you know, you, you may be just focusing strictly on uh, the league and am I ready to go. All these players don't hope to go to the NFL. They know they're going. Every player thinks he's going to go to the NFL and make a lot of money. So when you think about that, you got to realize that, to me, he, as a coach, what again, going back to what Nick Saban, if he has a guy like Derrick Henry – who just won a Heisman, who's a junior. And Derrick Henry, Coach Saban always brings his guys who are ready as after their third year. He'll bring them in, meet with them the, the Monday after their last game. And he'll meet with them individually and talk to them about it. This is, this is the word from the NFL. Derrick, you're 6'4", 235 pounds. You run a 4'5". You're not going to get any, any faster. You're not going to get any bigger. You just won the Heisman. Hey, we loved having you here. You, you got to go. Like so, he'll tell him the truth, you know. And then the next guy will come in and be like, "Hey, Ronnie Harrison, you're a safety. You got to get faster. You got to read things quicker. You, you you have so much room for improvement." I, my recommendation is you you need to come back and keep working, right? And then Ronnie came out and he did his own thing. That's fine. A lot of these these players, though, whatever coach tells them, he's he's got their best interest in mind, and they'll and most of them listen to him and and, and go that path. I, I just think that there's such a focus on the league and, and making it, and I get that. And I, I just worry that we're getting further and further away from that degree and how important and what a game-changer that degree can be in your life. I love chasing the NFL. I think every player should chase the NFL. But I think you're making a, a huge mistake by putting all your eggs into that basket. 
that's your only focus is three years and out, then there's nothing Nick Saban or Manny Diaz or anybody can say because you've been thinking that probably since you were middle school. I'm going to go to three years and I'm going to be out. And then you get drafted some cases in the fifth or sixth round and you end up never making the team. Some guys do, but a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't. And now they don't have that degree. And, they, and a lot of them go back home. And that's the, that to me is a bigger issue in college football than anything going right now. Paying players, name, image, and likeness. It's making sure these players take advantage of the system instead of the system taking advantage of them. And I'm a classic example. I love to go to the NFL. I thought I was going to go to the NFL, but I got a degree. I didn't go to the NFL. I ended up getting into local radio, and then one thing led to another. But my name at the time in Columbus, Ohio, being a former captain and player, quarterback at Ohio State, that opened the door for me, and I was able to walk through that door based on having a skill set to be on the radio. But if I didn't play at Ohio State, that door wouldn't have opened for me. So I I was able to take advantage and, and have an awareness of taking advantage of the system. I think a lot of guys... They don't, they don't take advantage of the system. And if you don't, you're on an assembly line, and the system will take care of you most definitely. So I, I, uh, I mean, there's so much to get into there, but I, I, you can't really just say it's one answer. Here's what you need to do to go out. Here's what you need to do to stay, because I think it, it just, it's so different for each individual story and, and, and everybody's background and what they bring to the table. No, that's great advice, one that we should put on an endless loop and play in every uh, every team meeting room. You've been very generous with your time. I want to thank Cameron Gorby, America's greatest communications director, for reaching out to He's you for man. us. <laughs> he is the man. He's the man. <laughs> I'm telling you now, I deal with all of them. You guys probably deal with a ton of them in the ACC. He's He's as good as there is out there. And uh, I always look forward when we have a Miami game. I get a text from him on Sunday, and he's uh, he's, he's he's passionate about the Canes, that's for sure. He's trainable. Well, listen, uh, uh, after the last six months, we cannot wait. I cannot wait until Saturday night for Miami and Florida State. Hopefully we'll have great weather. The restaurants are open. You can eat, eat outdoors on Friday or, or go to Fowler's house. He's got a great view. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, I look forward to getting down there. Hopefully the humidity will come down just a little bit. Um, but I'm, I always, anytime Miami and Florida State get together, and I'm lucky enough to be in the booth. Um, I just love seeing, for me, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you just love to see those uniforms on the same field together. And a lot of these guys played high school football together, and they'll be passionate, be a lot of a lot of emotion out there. So we're fired up to get down there and looking forward to a game day in the morning and then to be able to call the game that night. We're, we're anxious and, and looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Best of luck on Saturday. Hope to see you. Okay. Have a great week, guys. Thank All you. right, that's uh, Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN joining us, and uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he gave very gracious with his time. You know, those guys get uh, a lot of people asking their time, and so that was nice. He had great great advice there to your to your question. Well, he did, and uh, it's basically each person should evaluate exactly where they are and exactly where they think they're going to go because there's no, really there's not much guessing anymore. Right, Joseph. I mean, they, the the coaches give you, the your family has access to the information. You you really have a good idea where you're going to go, and look at it as an odds maker. What are what are the odds for a fifth rounder, the fourth rounder, a seventh rounder, a free agent, and 
and you got to look at it that way. Well, University of Miami's done a good job graduating their players. We've got to get to Lou Headley in a minute. Uh, we talked about Amari Carter. He, he already has his degree. I was watching a game the other day, Rayshon Jenkins playing in the league. Uh, when he first started here, he had a back injury, but he ended up getting his degree, and he's doing well in the NFL. But uh, if that doesn't last you know, a couple more years, who knows? He's got his degree. A lot of guys have their degree. Feliciano was one of your favorite players, and Isadora. and uh, We've seen one after another. Uh, get a degree at the UM. So, uh, and then the guys that leave early, uh, we would love them to stay, but they also have the ability uh, to come back and get their degree, and some do, and uh, they take advantage of it. So, we'll talk more about that. We got to get to a break. Back on the Manny Diaz Show, Joe Gaggi, Don Bailey Jr., University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. Hurricanes coming off a great win against Louisville. Coming up on Saturday, Hurricanes and the Seminoles at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, we talked a little bit about De'Ara King, but uh, how about your tight ends? And Brevin Jordan, he's looked like Superman jumping over defenders, and both guys got touchdowns for you. Yeah, we had a feeling going into the game that both those guys could have a, a big day against Louisville's defense, and, and, and sure enough, they did. And... Um, they do a job blocking, you know, they are real tight ends. They will, they'll do the dirty work on the inside, but if you can get them out in space, they're, they're, they're dangerous out there. And, and I think that's one of the great things about this offense is it can really, um, showcase the skills of all of our guys. And, and when you've got two tight ends like that, there's endless amount of ways, um, that coach Lashley can get them the ball. Coach, you talked about Cameron and his big runs and really his big yards the last two weeks back to back, but. Jalen Knighton got into the ball game, made one heck of a catch. I'm sure you can tell us what you discussed with him, when what he's supposed to do when he gets close to the goal line with the ball. But also, Donald Chaney getting a lot of playing time as well. Yeah, and I think that's the way it's going to be. And I think that makes them all better. You know, and it's gotten Cam Harris better. You know, Cam's work in the weight room, I keep mentioning it, but that, that has allowed him to maintain his speed throughout the course of the run. I promise you that run he broke out, he would have been pushed out of bounds. Um you know, three quarters of the way through it a year ago. And now he doesn't lose speed. And I think he had like 23 miles an hour on our GPS tracking system. And that's, that's getting it now. <laughs> that is rolling. So, um, but knowing that you also not, don't have to play every snap because you've got Knighton and Chaney that can go in there and they can make plays. And, and it's no playoff for the defense when those two are in there now. So it was fun to watch him play. And both guys, hey, even if they got to, you know, just – you know, ram it in there and get the dirty four yards. You know, it's not always going to be an explosive, fun play. I thought they both did a nice job with that. You know, I always thought one of the things about uh, a no-huddle offense or the up-tempo offense that uh, you have with Coach Lashley being that aggressive and uh, the foot always in the gas pedal, there's a psychological warfare with the defense, with the opponent. Because if you're scoring, then you're going to pull them out of maybe pull them out of their game plan because they know they've got to do something a little bit different, maybe to, to stay even on the scoreboard, and maybe you're pulling them out of their game plan. There's no doubt about that. That's completely true, and and especially with a team like Louisville that likes to run the football and and you know throw play action. That's really two years in a row that we've been able to create big separation on the scoreboard, and that's why it was it was disappointing the first two drives coming out of halftime that we couldn't get a stop on defense to really make it about a 20-point game. Um, but we eventually did. Offense went out there, as they have done every drive this, this year. When our defense has given up points, our offense has gone out there and gotten points right back. And then finally we got a great three and out uh, defensively, and that when we were really able to you know, take control of the game from that point on. 
Coach, when you're a defensive coordinator at Miami, we would always talk about the importance of de building depth and playing as many people each week in every game. And now as the head coach and Coach Baker has that role, I still see the same thing going on. You guys are playing as many people as possible. We really are. And and, and at some spots, we wish we had more that we could put in there. But, uh, you know, number one, you need it in 2020, right? Because you, your, your depth is going to get tested this year in some way, sh shape, or form. Um, but we are trying to keep our guys fresh up front. You know, we are we are deeper at linebacker than what we've been um, over the last few years. And certainly on the defensive line, we feel like we can roll some guys through. And and that's what helps ultimately player development. You know, I mean, it's fun to watch young guys like Jared Harrison Hunt, you know, have his best game as an interior defensive lineman. He was very active, and I really thought he was our best inside guy. And that's really what you want, you know, a redshirt freshman, you know, finding a way, making it through and, and – uh, and bringing the other ones along behind him because we got some young talent, the defensive lineman behind him too, that you know they're they're trying to get better every week, and eventually you can push them into the game. Florida State is on to their third coaching staff, I think, in the four years, four last four or five years. What what do you expect from them offensively in this game on Saturday night? Well, studying Coach Norvell's offense, they're they're very multiple. Uh, they present a lot of formations. Um, Run, they run a lot of offense at you. You know, that goes back to, you know, studying him last year at Memphis. Um, we know that they will be highly motivated. You know, th there's obviously some things that they'll want to have corrected from their first game. No different than things that we wanted to correct from our UAB game, right? We didn't exactly look the same in week two as we looked in week one on offense, and we would expect a similar type deal from them. Um, you know, James Blackman, a quarterback, he's been in these type games. He's been in, he played in Miami, Florida State as a freshman. Um, so he understands, you know, all the emotion that goes into this game. And, um, you know, look, it's easy to look at them and say, oh, gosh, they're 0-1, they lost their first game. They have been spending two weeks thinking about nothing other than beating the Miami Hurricanes. So uh, they have our full attention. Um, we need a great week of preparation, which I expect we'll get, and, uh, and we expect nothing other than their best shot on Saturday. Coach, their defense is standard Florida State defense. Everybody can run. Got good size on the on the front four. They're they're kind of shifting back more to that four man front than they were uh, coming off of that three man front last year. But there's not much that has changed. They're very very aggressive and highly talented. Yeah, they're going to have the best defensive line that we've you know faced so far, and 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 probably as big of a defensive line as we'll face all year. They're just they're just big guys that are hard to move. Um, but they do have some disruptive qualities to them as well. They're not just space eaters. So um, they've got some aggressive defensive backs in the back. And, um, you know, and, and again, only one game into a new scheme. So, you're, you know, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get when you're out there. But, uh, but ultimately, it's still going to come down to us doing our things. I think what we found out on offense is that when we execute the way that we think we should execute, uh, we're a pretty hard unit to stop. And, and um, you know, and, and it's going to be about, again, the critical situations, third down, red zone. Uh, and creating explosive plays that will lead us to victory. Coach, you mentioned uh, you know twenty twenty. We know it's a, it's an odd year, different things, and keeping guys engaged. You think they also do they look around at all, see other uh, teams playing, other conferences coming on to play? What's going on in professional sports? I, it's a big commitment, but is that also a motivating factor to players today that they see what's going on around them? That if you're committed, you can play. Yeah, well, I think they take a lot of pride that their actions earn them the right to play every week and that is not guaranteed because again you you see it every weekend there's a couple games that are that are not happening um and we had to do a lot of things right just to even get to this point so i think the appreciation of the game i think the appreciation of being on a team um they've been through a lot together this year now and, I, and i'm not saying anything else anyone else in college ball hasn't 
Um, but 2020 is about a whole decade's worth of, of you know, adversity. And, and as we know, the, the news cycle this year has, has been relentless. So um, they've had to persevere through some things. And I, I do think there's a, there's a brotherhood that's formed because of it. I would say so too, Manny. When I watch them on the field, I watch them, uh, the offense blending with the defense and vice versa. It seems that this has really pulled this team together. This may be one of the better teams that have teams uh, as far as everybody getting along and understanding how to support each other that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you don't ever know until you get in the games. And again, we're only two games in. It, it could change. But they, they, they saw the value of being connected. Really, in the way they learned is they saw a team that wasn't always connected and, and how everyone suffers um, when you have that. And, and, I, and again, I just... It's so easy to talk about Derek King, but he's so important in all of this because he just he connects everybody on the team, and everybody on the team really um, respects him, trusts him. Uh, he's got a bond and a relationship with everybody. You'll see him talking to you know everybody on the team, and I, I think that just helps so much. A team that just enjoys playing and being in each other's company. Um, you've seen that as you mentioned the Heat earlier in the NBA bubble. It just matters this year, you know. It's hard to go to war every week with a bunch of guys you don't really enjoy playing with, and eventually that will show. And I think we had some of that on our resume in the past. And early on, it feels like this team does have a much tighter bond. You know, uh, Don mentioned third down defense earlier. Third down offense has been really good. The other night, I think it was 42, 45, 46 percent. Uh, but uh, third down offense uh, is trending very much in the right direction. Yeah, and that's why you know UAB. I think. On third down and 10 or less, we only missed one. We were excellent. We, we had a lot of third and longs that we did not convert. Louisville, we actually converted a lot of our third, third down and 10 pluses, which is really demoralizing for a defense. So, you know, this offense, if, if, if you keep it on the field, it's going to be a problem for the defense. And that's why you got to make some third downs and you got to get it going because once that tempo gets going now, it is, it is a problem to stop. And you've had time to evaluate it. The penalties week one, three, you're at 11, I believe, last week against Louisville. What led to that? Because, I mean, it, I didn't see a lot of them, and I don't want you to really comment on that, but there was a change in that category. Well, we could, we, we've only have ourselves to blame. And, and a lot of it, as I mentioned, was just the lack of focus and being able to stay locked in over a 60-minute game. The, the, the telling aspect of that was there, there, are, there are penalties of aggression. You know, um, you know sometimes you're going to be on the sideline and you're going to hit a guy and, you know, we had one that was unacceptable. We had one that was called on us that was bang, bang. I mean, it's right on the line, you know. Okay, those things, you know, you can excuse that in the heat of the moment. We can't have pre-snap penalties. We can't have post-snap penalties. A pre-snap penalty is jumping off sides or false starting or not lining up right on offense. And post-snap penalties are just, you know, we had a guy pull a guy off a pile. Well, that's a 15-yard penalty. You can't, you can't do that, you know, you know, reacting to somebody because that's really when you get selfish, you get into your feelings and you try to retaliate. So, um Again, we pay the price for those on our Sunday night practice. Everyone does. You know, it's not just the guy who commits the penalty. All right, that's uh, Manny Diaz joining us. ESPN Radio is coming up right around the corner. Uh, Miami and Florida State tomorrow. Our broadcast begins at 3.30. Let me uh, talk to you on this Friday night about Williamson Cadillac. If you are in the market this weekend uh, for a new car or luxury vehicle, may I suggest you stop by Williamson Cadillac, their state-of-the-art facility located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or you can view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Saturday, always a great day to stop by right before kickoff. Plenty of time, actually, before kickoff. And you can check out everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can take a look at the CT Sedan Series 
or you can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossover series, or of, of, or of course, there is the Cadillac Escalade. Williamson Cadillac is your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Stay tuned, ESPN Radio, coming up next. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.